Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There we are. Not talking to the ether anymore. <laughs> we are going to go to our phone guests. They are going to join us here on the... Uh, here on Skype here in just a few seconds. We've got to get a hold of Joe. Not exactly sure who Joe is. But we are going to call Joe. Hey, Joe, you go with a gun in your hand. Joe, how are you? It's James Lowe calling you for your radio interview. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good, actually. I'm going to get our uh, co-host here, uh, Dan Perkins, and IQL Rizzoli in here, and we will uh, chat with you here for uh, a good 15, 20 minutes, and uh, and we'll get you on down the road, uh, my friend. Thanks for uh, being with us today. I really appreciate you making time for us today, and uh, thanks for being on the big broadcast. Sure, you know, real quick, I asked you a couple yes. of times now what your demographics were, and I never got an answer from you guys. Okay, well, uh, let me, <laughs> I hate to do this on the air, but uh, I guess we will uh, do this on the air, because uh, okay. you brought it up, my friend, so I guess we'll clear this up before we get our co-hosts on the broadcast. Uh, the audience for the world famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Broadcast, we reach listeners worldwide on AM, FM, radio stations, and online. Loyal listeners include middle-class families, business owners, parents, teachers, and students. Unique format of personality, news, weather, money, music, interviews, pop culture. We connect with informed, professional, independent, and open-minded folks. And our market profile, the median age is 35 to 64 years old. The annual household income is 61700 Our online business ownership is 59%. And our weekly listening, 387 minutes as of October 2018. We're going to get IQR. Rizzoli and Dan Perkins in here so we can get this interview done with uh, with our guest because I know that his time is very uh, short and very precious here uh, to him. Um, I believe we've got Dan and I believe we've got IQ. Both of you guys, can you hear me? Yes, we are here. Okay. Well, um, well, Joe, start us out here. Give us a little bit on, on your background. Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your book, my friend. Well, thank you. And by the way, that was a good answer when I asked demographics. Yes, demographics. yes, 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 yes. Um, Go, my friend. We're, we're, we're yeah. burning daylight here. Basically, I'm a self-empowerment lecturer, and I I have been a teacher. I taught at the university and in various schools. I had a private practice helping people reprogram their subconscious for success. And basically, my book is called What I Will, I Can... And that's pretty much positive-oriented, giving a lot of different precepts on how to live a better quality life. Now, uh, now, Dan, uh, it's it's kind of a departure from uh, from our usual uh, guest flair here. Uh, I know you've got some questions for our uh, for our guest here. 
I do. I, I, um, it's really kind of bizarre, Jim, because I heard today uh, a survey of millennials. And what were the 20 most important things in their lives? What were they? Oh, things like my cell phone battery was going down, or <laughs> my, my Wi-Fi signal had dropped. Uh, so what was amazing, and, and so I'm fascinated with, with our guests, because what was amazing is that the top out of the top 20 things, not once did climate change make the list. Not once. Really? Didn't make the top 20. So what what was clear about the the responses of the millennials was um, how me-centered all the great things that we're concerned about in their lives. And I'm fascinated with the concept of your of our guest's book. And I would say it would appear that the millennials are not very happy people. And I'm curious as to what, how your book might help them be more joyous people. Well, basically, basically what's going on here with a, a lot of the millennials, it seems like it's an instant gratification deal and it's, it's very superficial. What my book addresses is that we have so much potential inside of us. And as uh, Zig Ziglar, a great motivator, once said, it's sad that so many people go to their graves with their songs unsung. I think uh, this book helps to show people that they have all this potentiality inside, and if they just work a little bit on applying it, they could basically obtain virtually anything they want as far as success in their life but it's not going to be handed to them they've obviously got to work at a little bit and a lot of it stems from reprogramming your thoughts reprogramming your subconscious basically it amounts to as you think so you create you create what you think about but we we have this scandal going right now where where the elite parents we're bribing coaches and academic admissions officers to get their children into uh, special schools, high-quality schools, even though they probably may not be qualified. Um, there are people that say that you know I I have to I don't plead guilty other than the fact that I'm a member of, but that my generation, the 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 the, the boomer generation is responsible for all of this because as we were raising our children we never ex- uh, explained to them the value of hard work failure and success and so what we did when they were growing up we didn't give them winners trophies we gave them participation trophies we never allowed them to fail because our greatest growth comes from our failures, not from our successes. That it's exactly. my generation. Exactly. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Exactly. Those are our greatest learning experiences when we don't quite hit the mark or when we, quote, unquote, fail. You're right on. That's why the book, if they go to whatiwillican.com, 
it, it explains a lot about that. Okay, that's on the website, whatiwillican.com. And there's a lot of interesting information there to kind of basically help each individual that wants to better their, the quality of their life. Do you believe, sir, that that the, if we've screwed up the millennials, are they doing a better job of raising their children now that they're in the mid-30s, or are they doing even a more, a more terrible job than we did? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and stuff, but uh, unfortunately, I heard the phrase dumbing down of America, and it seems kind of sad now because we're getting a lot of, like I said, instant gratification where... Uh, a lot of people, younger generation now, are so reliant on technology that if technology were to fail or something, a lot of them would be totally lost. That's why, again, my book, you know, if they go to the website, whatiwillican.com, I think there'll be some interesting information there to help them uh, not only survive but have a much better quality life. Uh, is your book, would it be classified as a self-help book? Yes, exactly. And what... And what are some of the points that you make that are important that 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 this generation needs to under to reprogram? What are what are the things well, that they're missing? Well, I think we have to understand that each one of us is totally unique. So often, society, especially the advertising media and everything, tries to get us to compare. And I think that's where a lot of our frustration comes from. We're always trying to keep up with the Joneses or be like the neighbors or be like him or her, when in fact we'll never compare because we are totally unique and different. And that's not a handicap. That's a very good asset. And I think once we buy into that and see that we're unique, we have a lot of beautiful talents and gifts to share with the world, things that no one else could do that we could do. There are some people that think that what's going on in our country today and perhaps other countries of the world is the the denuding of the male of the species, that males no longer are a value, they contribute no value to the, to the raising of children or forming life, and so that we are moving towards a, uh, rapidly moving towards a female-dominated society. Yet many of the sociological studies that I've read indicate that the best children are the children, best meaning well-developed, stable, fundamental children are where there are both fathers and mothers. But yet our society, our society, even as you mentioned advertising, if you look at the advertising on television, the family unit is mom and two kids, period. No dad. Exactly. And so well, how do you change the change the attitude that is clearly moving to the feminization of the United States? Well, I don't know. I don't necessarily say it's the feminization. I think it's more of coming to middle ground where we're becoming more holistic, about 50-50 balance, which I think is really good. I think um, we're finding that that men especially tend to be a little more uh, sensitive now and everything. I think that's a good thing. And women tend to be a little more aggressive now. And I think we're coming to a middle ground now, which is wonderful, because I think we're becoming more balanced, more holistic human beings, okay? Instead of having to follow stereotypes, we're pretty much uh, 
following inner guidance, which is basically what it should be anyway. We should be listening to ourselves and following our intuition, which is always uh, for our greatest good. For our, our higher self pretty much kind of guides us. But when we're listening to ourselves and you talk about your intuition, when, when we have politicians who are going to be running for president of the, the nomination, the Democratic Party, for president of the United States, and they're trying to convince the millennials that free college, Medicare for all, and all of the things that they want to do, which, quote, supposedly is going to give everybody a, a better quality of life, or we want to eliminate all fossil fuels and go pure green, the 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 people get in, enamored and mesmerized by the the interesting concepts that are being postulated. But oh, sure. where is the, are, where is the practicality of that? Exactly, and you know, again, that's quote unquote politics for you. Politics uses quick phrases that uh, kind of really appeal to people, but have no real substance. A lot of times they'll say things that sound so idealistic and wonderful, everybody goes for it, but they don't explain how we would ever get there or what it would do on the, in the long run. I think, uh, again, it's politics, which a lot of it is superficial and uh, pretty much uh, meaningless in reality. But, but, the, but, the, but the millennials seem to be gravitating to that universal income everybody gets a thousand dollars a month regardless of their income or or regardless of their willingness to work what is that message to to people to say we're going to pay you not to work well obviously i think again as i say unfortunately with a lot of millennials they want a quick fix or instant gratification so a lot of politicians are just catering to that trying to give them the, the things they want to hear and stuff. But uh, obviously it's unrealistic and it's not really, uh, it wouldn't really work as far as feasibility. And I think in the long run, if millennials really do their investigation, they'd see a lot of this stuff is just false talk. But what, 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 gives you, what gives you pause to think that the millennials who we've just talked about are so self-centered are going to spend the time to do the research to find out whether what people are saying makes sense or are they going to be mesmerized by the the romance of the message and expect it to happen well <laughs> there you go you know being a baby boomer uh, that's one of the scary things uh, people can be swayed very easily you know, so uh, unfortunately, people are going to have to do their homework when it comes to voting and things. And uh, I think it's incumbent on the millennials to dig a little deeper and try to find the facts. Uh, I would agree with that. I I, I would want to go one one little step deeper. Um, do, are you concerned, having been a, a college professor, are you concerned about colleges and universities that are shunning diversity and free thought? Oh, certainly. I think, you know, the idea is to create free thinkers and stuff, not, not shunning diversity, but to accept diversity. Um, 
Yeah, unfortunately, uh, now we're getting a lot of young millennials and stuff coming close to uh, teaching in these colleges and stuff. So in some cases, unfortunately, it seems like the blind leading the blind. But uh, again, for each individual, you know, we're not victims. We, uh, you know, as Nelson Mandela said in his inaugural, it's not that um, we realize we're powerless. It's the thing that really scares us is that we realize we're more powerful than we could ever imagine. I think it's incumbent on each individual to do their homework and to uh, make decisions based on what they feel intuitively is right, um, basically uh, assisted by, you know, their cognition, by their thinking. Do you think that America has lost its will to take a risk? No, I don't. I don't think so. Not at all. How do you how do you believe that? What, what, what do you see that tells you that that's not true? Well, years ago, I used to have a professor that said, why not go out on a limb? That's where the fruit is. I think if people realize that uh, if you don't, you know, like they say, if you, keep, you can't win the lottery unless you buy a ticket. I think uh, if people really give it some thought, they'll see that uh, you need to take risks in order to make gains. But if we have, if we have built a generation on participation trophies... Why all, all of a sudden are they going to start taking risk? They've not been educated in understanding taking risk. Well, I think uh, in the long run, basically, it's trial and error, and we learn by experience. I think the more people experience things, that's the greatest teacher, you know. And again, if they try something and it doesn't work, that's a great learning experience. I think eventually, um, as they go through life, they're going to get wiser and wiser based on their experiences, and they'll see what works and what doesn't work. Somebody once said, in your 20s and 30s, you're a Democrat. When you make your money in your 40s and 50s, you become a Republican. <laughs> there, there you go. Well, you know, if it was up to me, I'd like to see everybody as an independent, to be a, a total free thinker, and, uh, you know, there's good and bad in all parties and everything. I don't uh, think anyone should really have allegiance totally carte blanche to one particular party because there's good people in all parties and stuff. And I think it's up to us to uh, basically check each individual and uh, work with them according to their merit. What do you see that has you upbeat about the American experience? Well, I think there's a there's always hope and faith, and I think uh, Americans tend to be adventurers, and we, we tend to be very kind also. I think, uh, you know, when it comes to re- giving uh, relief and things for disasters and stuff, we tend to be one of the most generous countries on the earth, which is really cool. Americans innately tend to be very caring and generous people, and I would like to see us moving forward to that, where each person, according to their own uh, abilities and things, could help each other. That's when the world works best, when we all use our particular talents and services to help each other. When, when we were growing this country, when we were building this country, we went through a great period after the American Civil War and into the 1920s of very significant from migration. Millions of people came into the United States. And from about 1929 to 1962, we had what was called the the period of assimilation with the Mm -hmm. belief that we needed to bring those people 
bring them into our culture and assimilate into what 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 America was and what it means to be an American. And so we restricted immigration. Today we have uh, a million plus people coming into the country legally on legalized immigration and probably an untold number of people that come in illegally. And they come in and they do not, I, I don't see the great assimilation that we have seen in the past. I see what's happening all over the country is that as we have increased the number of people coming into the country, both legal and illegal, we are creating tribes, not a unified nation. Oh, I I totally agree. I don't think, you know, it's it's not 100% assimilation that it should be. I mean, like we say, you know, they used to say America was the melting pot. I don't think it was the melting pot. I think it was more like a mixed salad. I think we need to join forces and... uh, develop certain things as a group in mass as Americans. But yet I think it's important to keep some of our, you know, our cultural heritage. Also, there's got to be a good blend. We, uh, as a matter of fact, we don't even have a declaration as to a, a national language. There are 78 country, countries in the world that have declared English as an English speaking nation. We do not, we have no national language. And a lot of people have been arguing about that also. English is not, or American, is not our national language. We have no declaration making it so. And it's kind of like anything goes. I know I go into stores, and a lot of times they're advertising the latest specials or something in um, Spanish and then in English and in different languages. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think we need to kind of um, overhaul some of the things with in Congress as far as... Uh, well, maybe even parts of the Constitution. Who knows? Are you so you're in favor of English being officially being the language of America? Oh, most definitely. And I don't think that's any uh, any big task that we're you know imposing on people or something. I know my father was an immigrant from Italy. My wife was an immigrant from Switzerland. I have friends immigrating from Ireland and so on. And they all came in and uh, in a matter of time they learned they learned the language. They became citizens and. Uh, yeah, and they were an asset to uh, to the country. How long ago did your wife immigrate into the country from Switzerland? Oh, that was been about forty years ago. Oh, I'm curious as to what she what she thinks about the level of she went through the process to legally come into the country. I wonder what she thinks about the illegals coming into the country. Well, unfortunately, my wife my wife passed away twenty years ago, but. Mm. Uh, yeah, at the time, though, she was all for everybody coming in the legal way. Most countries have, you know, obviously legal immigration. And, uh, I mean, let's face it, that's what laws are for. So I think uh, it's it's important that people come in legally. Our education system is becoming more and more divergent in that in many schools around the country, English is taught as a second language, not a primary language. Does that ultimately hurt us as a nation? I think it does. I think it does. It's certainly um, apropos to, you know, maintain your heritage and everything. But again, when you talk about assimilation and everything, we need some commonalities, some unifying factors, and I think language is one of them. I think it's important that we all basically speak the one common language. 
Michael Savage says that a nation is 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 determined by its borders, its language, and its culture. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Yeah, I agree. And right now, the borders are not helping in terms of of uh, stabilizing our our nation. Uh, and that we're not if we're teaching English as a second language, we're not promoting. And even you said we don't even have. English as a as the primary language of the country, so I, I see a, a, a great deal of divide in this country, and 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 a lot of segmentation that is not. I mean, I heard about today. I read this morning. You might have heard about this, Jim. There's a this Yo. new candidate, yeah. this new liberal candidate who's running for the Democratic nomination. One of his key platforms is circumcision. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow that is great. a heck of a deal. Yeah. Well, so he, uh, thinks that well he, thinks, he thinks we should eliminate circumcision. And, and if wow. elected president, he would do it. If the Congress wouldn't do it, he would be doing it by an executive order. And And I guess there's a part of me that thinks – Maybe we have more important issues than circumcision. That the- well, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, uh, in, in as much as my degrees are in uh, effective communication and sociology, I don't profess to be a political science person or anything. Like I say, with my book, my book is about individual self-empowerment and how each individual could live a better life by basically enhancing their talents and uh, things that they have within them. And uh, I basically, according, you know, with my book, show people how to tap into that and bring forth a lot of their potentiality. Again, the name of the book is What I Will I Can, and they could go to the website, whatiwillican.com, and well, I think uh, they'll find some interesting information. Well, uh, I appreciate you making time for us today. I know that you've got to go, my friend, but uh, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the discussion. Take care. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, as we continue on here, we've got uh, Dan Perkins and IQ Al Rizzoli joining us. And uh, IQ, give, give us give us your thoughts and feelings on, uh, on the, the last segment there with Dan and our guest. Maybe IQ is... IQ, can you I hear me? S- I see him, but it's not—it's not got his mic turned on. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I must have—I must have put him to sleep. <laughs> you must have put him to sleep, Dan. Now, uh, Dan, I, I want to get your your take on this uh, this weird story that—and uh, it's not really a weird story. It's just it these dark horses who are going to be potentially getting a spotlight at uh, the Democratic debates, uh, Peter. Peter Boutigue, I believe, is uh, eligible for this. Um, there, there are a few other uh, Democrats that are going to be in this. What, what, what do you make of, of Yang and Boutigue and, and, and some of these folks who are pushing for universal basic income and, and some of these other things? Well, I, I, the last thing I heard was that there were 21 candidates for the Democratic nomination. Good Lord. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I have not been able, maybe you've seen something. I have not seen anything of the criteria of how 
they're selecting the candidates. Are they going to do like the Republicans did, tier one and tier two? Haven't seen any detail on that. Uh, I did hear today that the guy, I think his name is Lee, uh, who's in favor of eliminating circumcision because he had 3,000 people attending a conference or a, a, a rally in San Francisco, uh, is going to make the first tier. So um, I, I, I think that this has the potential to be a massive free-for-all. <laughs> I think uh, this is going to be a mess. And, and, and here's the other piece of it, Jim. Did you see today who signed to work for Fox News? Uh, yes, I believe it was Donna Brazil. Is, is that yes, is, sir? Yes. yes, sir. The woman who gave Hillary the questions <laughs> is now going to be a commentator <laughs> on Fox News. Um, and I'm trying to figure out she's not bringing any Democrats to Fox News, so I'm trying to figure out what she's on there for. But, but you know, I, I, I think that. We're liable to see a couple of cat fights in June, and um, maybe some men uh, going after women in a not very pleasant way. It is. Uh, yeah. you hear me? Yes, nice. we got you, IQ. How are you, sir? I was with you all the time. I answered you, but somehow you didn't hear me. I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> Well, I can see that your microphone wasn't turned on. That's why it's on now, but it wasn't at the time. But go ahead, IQ. Okay, yes, no problem. Go ahead, my friend. Anyway, no, no, it was very interesting to hear the guy who you had half an hour ago. Um, but he's very optimistic, very optimistic. If the generation who are being elected to be presidents are as stupid as they are, which they are, <laughs> how could the millennials be more intelligent? They can't, it's impossible. What do you think, Dan? I, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I really believe, IQ, that they don't have a real agenda. Yes. And the reason why the Democrats don't have a real agenda is the things that I think that are really important to the American people, Donald Trump has taken away from them. They can't really talk about the economy. I mean, they can say the economy is growing too fast. You're creating too many new jobs, which is what they've said. Um, the uh, the economy growing, more people going back to work, uh, unemployment the lowest in decades. Black people, more black people back to work, more Hispanics at work, China, uh, Asians at work, on and on and on. And I. I I, I don't see. So when I hear when I hear universal income, free college, um, free Medicare for everybody, um, I don't know out in your neck of the woods, Jim, where um, you see the commercial for um, the tax service. I forget what it is, and it says. Free, 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 free. Yes. Free, 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 free. Yes, I've seen that a few times. <laughs> and I think that that's what the Democrats are doing. They're trying to convince people that we're going to do it all for free. And what's happening is, uh, I, I, I've said this in a lot of interviews uh, recently, uh, if you look at it from the standpoint of 
if it, I'm a great student, or not a great student, a student of the Civil War, and as you know, I'm writing a book on Lincoln. Yes. But Gettysburg was was called the high water mark of the of the Confederate Revolution. Mm-hmm. I think the day that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, Christmas Eve, went into Trump's office to tell him that they weren't going to give him any money for the wall was the high water mark of the Democratic Party, at least the, those two leaders. If you look at how dramatically she has lost control of the House of Representatives to these young Turks who've come in and who basically gotten in her face, um, and and AOC said a couple of weeks ago at South by Southwest, well, if Nancy's going not going to impeach the president, then I'm going to be in charge and I'm going to do it. After six weeks of being a first-term elected congressman. So she's got a revolt on her hands, and she's not dealing with it very well. And it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about with the other guests, and that's the tribalism. you got all these various factions within the Democratic Party that ultimately are going to wind up fighting with each other. It is the nature of the Democratic Party. They do that. And here we're going to have mass chaos on the stage, wherever the first debate's going to be. And I don't know how they're going to recruit, because either it's going to be absolutely boring as hell with no interest, or it's going to be a slugfest. And I'm not sure which I want, but um, there's not going to be any middle ground. I mean, we're we're talking about... IQ probably wants the slugfest, correct? I like the blood bug. <laughs> Somehow I knew that. Somehow I knew that. I'll tell you why the blood bug. Because they are, look what they have used, the language that they use against Donald Trump. They're not going to lose less language against each other. There's no way on earth. And if uh, Rashida Tlaib can say motherfucker to the president, <laughs> yes. then arrest my kids. I want a blood bug. Now... I, I want to go down this list here, and I want to have you guys give me <laughs> your take on these folks. Um, what do you guys make of, of this Beto character, who is who is going to be uh, who is running this Beto O'Rourke character? This gentleman has the early incredible ability to stick his foot down his throat. <laughs> And, I mean, he basically demeaned his wife over the weekend. Uh, he, he he just, he was asked a question about abortion, blew it off. Um, there's, there doesn't appear to be substance, but the Democrats will tell you he's going to bring Texas into the, into the Democratic Party. I, I just don't see it. The man is, doesn't appear to be stable and doesn't appear to have had a whole lot of experience to come up with reasonable answers to the question. So he's going to, I believe, I, I believe that he is going to be out of the race relatively soon. IQ. He will, he will get chewed up and spit out. IQ. Well, well, what do you make of Beto? <laughs> I, I, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> Honestly, I can't stop laughing. You know, when I look at the, the 
the people who are going to be president of the United States of America in 2020, who are opposing Trump, I don't know whether to commit suicide or to lie, die of laughter. I don't know which one. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> it's always an extreme. I mean, I mean, those people who are elected. Look at Oruk. He got more money in a few days than the entirety of the opposition to Trump in weeks. Yes. What kind of human beings pay for this piece of garbage? I mean, there are, and we, this gentleman a few, a few minutes ago is hoping the millennials will read. They don't read. <laughs> Honestly, they don't read. They never finish university with any education. And I'm not exaggerating. And you know what? I'm living in Europe. And I know more about what's happening in America than America's in America. But that's a fact. They are in a cuckoo land. Right. No idea. Yeah. And so what's on your free, list, Jim? You free? Well, uh, the, the the next one on the list here is uh, Senator Christ, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Um, she's got name recognition, but I I don't know what the hell she's ever done. <laughs> well, she's the, she's the junior senator. She's the junior senator from New York, a, a uh, Chuck Schumer wannabe. Um, she is a space cadet who is not very coherent um, and uh, is in, in that group of people that, you know, want uh, universal health care, they want universal income, and they want, and they want free college. She's in that, that socialist genre. And um, that's, that's going to, that, that whole, that whole group of people that are, are into that. And, and I, you know, I just think that 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 the Democratic Party, as it is today, uh, I have seen focus groups done with with registered Democratic voters who have said, "quote We need the the leadership of this party to move to the center." There, I don't see, you know, there there are maybe one candidate who has the potential to move to the center. He's a 78-year-old white guy. Joe, Joe, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Yeah. yeah. Uh, first to first, Joe Biden, yes. Would this, could this guy ever make a decision? I mean, he, he's thinking about, well, I might run, but I'm not sure if I'm going to announce it now or next year or next week or whenever, but I'm still considering it and he can't seem to make a decision about whether he wants to run for president. And then last year, or the last time, uh, I think I'll just pass. And so, but this is the guy that they think that one ghost wants to go to the, to the middle. And, but if you look around at the rest of the candidates, do you see anybody, Jim, that's anywhere near the middle? Well, see, the thing that, that I look at when I see some of these folks, like, for instance, uh, Hickenlooper's on here, um, Jay Inslee, um, uh, CNN's favorite, Klobuchar, um, <laughs> which every time I see uh, Klobuchar's name, I think of Jink from the Young Turks when he goes, Klobuchar? Nobody knows who some of these people are. This is the thing. Uh, you've, uh, my view is you've got to have 
national recognition. You've got to know who these people are. So, you know, Beto kind of has a shot because people know him because he ran against Ted Cruz. Cory Booker, Kamala Harris. Yes, yes. All these all these folks. But Elizabeth Warren, you know, um, Tulsi Gabbard. Of Tulsi Gabbard, who the media just absolutely does not like because she's a big anti-war well, Poc- person. You had, you, you, I don't know if you heard. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, go ahead. Pocahontas, Pocahontas wanted to, she said that she wanted to tax everybody's assets over $50 million dollars. Two percent, and I, I think it's two percent. And anybody over over a hundred million dollars, three percent every year. Three percent of the value of the assets. Now she has a new program where she's thinking about she'd like to nationalize a whole bunch of industries. Just take them away, give them to the government, make the government even bigger. I can't imagine, Jim, that that there are there are I, I'm sure that there are some number of people in the country who believe in what Elizabeth Warren is saying about nationalization and tax rates going to seventy percent and confiscating businesses and confiscating your assets. I'm sure there are some number, but I don't see that as a a platform that the Democratic Party is going to build and that the candidate, whoever he or she's going to be, is going to run on because they're, the, the practical reality of government's confiscation of your assets is not what this country is about. And no matter how much the liberals think it should be, that's not where we are as a nation. And I, I just, I, I think that there's, here's another just a side note for you, Jim. Yes. It is the middle of March. The primaries start in less than a year. Wow. Less than a year. The primaries are going to start. And so the Democrats got 22 or 100 or whatever. Who else? Whoever knows these candidates for them to go from now to a year from now. Actually, we have eight months nine months before the first primaries started January of 2020. And I I, I just don't see them, I don't see uh, the ability of somebody to break out of the pack and become the standard bearer going into the Democratic Convention next summer saying, I am the person. I think that that what's happening is what's going to happen, and I've written about this, Jim. At some point in time, the leadership of the Democratic Party are going to have to make a decision. And part of the decision they're going to be making is that Donald Trump will be unbeatable in 2020. So who is the sacrificial lamb? Who is the Walter Mondale? <laughs> IQ, who do you think that's going to be? Vito <laughs> Aruk. Okay. Okay, I, uh, that's fine. I, I live with that. I, I just think I think that they're and, – and what's going to happen, the other candidates, the cast of thousands are going to start to realize, wait a minute, 
uh, we're going to. Uh, are you still there, Jim? I'm, yes. Yes. Okay. I, go ahead. Um, go ahead. So, so what's going to happen is that is that the candidates are going to realize, wait a minute, uh, Donald Trump's probably going to win. Do I want to be the sacrificial lamb? No. So we're creating a scenario that says that the sacrificial lamb, the Democratic Party is not going to risk a Kamala Harris or a Cory Booker to run against Donald Trump in 2020, because if they lose, Hillary's demonstrated losers don't win. So they're going to be looking for a sacrificial lamb. And if Uncle Joe ultimately decides to get into the race, he's the sacrificial lamb. And the the other Democrats, the Cory Bookers, the Christian Gillibrands, and all of those, Camilla Harris, they all start folding up their tents and going away. That's what I think is going to happen. Fantastic. Fantastic. We have got to, uh, we've got, I, I just don't, I, yes, go ahead. Yes. It's, it's, if you, if you, if you, if you understand that James Carville told Bill Clinton, it's about the economy, stupid. It's always about the economy. And when the American people have money in their wallet, they're going to vote for the people who put the money in their wallet. Right now, it's Donald Trump. I mean, he 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 has better... Now, think about what I'm about to say. Donald Trump versus Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, George W., and Barack Obama has a higher approval rating for this point in time in his presidency than all the rest of them. In spite of 93% of the times the media doing stories against him. 93 and his own party not supporting him. And yet he still has a favorability rating. He has the highest favorable favorability rating of the Republican voter than any recent president in history. But it's not enough. I mean, I was surprised to tell you the truth because, I mean, the black people, the Hispanic people, have been doing extremely well, at least, than they used to. And yet, in the mid-elections, the Democrats won. I got a shock of my life. I couldn't believe it, but it's true. Why would they win? Because... IQ, the difference is that midterms elections are local elections, not national elections. That's also true. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, okay. Not, but interesting, I saw last night Dr. Carson on Laura's show. And Ben Carson has had an incredibly low profile since he, since he took over as secretary. But he's been doing some amazing things. And this is the story last night, IQ. You'll get a kick out of this. Ben Carson sat down and negotiated with de Blasio, the mayor of New York. And he orchestrated a federal takeover of the housing authority in New York. So the federal government, his department, is now running 
and rebuilding the public housing authority in the state of New York and in our city of New York and in other cities around the country, quietly going into the black communities and improving the quality of life by improving the physical environment in which they live in. I think that will pay off big time. For That's the press. That really is unbelievable. Yeah. So it, it's it, it and she and what happened is you had de Blasio, who is as far left as you can possibly get, agreeing to let Carson and HUD take over the housing authority. Took it over just a shitty job. He's been doing a shitty job anyway. Yes. So I'll tell you what, if what you're saying, of course what you're saying is true. But if they really can do something within the next nine months this will change the attitude of black people towards Trump. Trump. Well, I something you- something else I, I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on um, is the Electoral College situation. Uh, Elizabeth Warren wants to get rid of the Electoral College. Right. Um, the one thing I always find so funny about the Democrats is that the Democrats, they always want to get rid of things, and then when it comes back to haunt them, they're like, well, why don't we have these things? Mm-hmm. Uh, the filibuster several years ago when the Republicans would use the filibuster and the the Democrats went in and got rid of the filibuster and then when it was time to filibuster something, they're like, well, why don't we have the filibuster anymore? <laughs> so the, the Electoral College, I think, is going to be a, another issue. IQ, what do you make of the Electoral College and the fact that Pocahontas I mean, wants to get rid of it? I mean, electoral College, I think, was done on purpose by the Constitution for good reasons. But you already have 13 states, 13 states who are going to go against it. Am I right, Dan? That's absolutely, right. absolutely. The, the, uh, the, the, what the, the Democrats, the Democrats realize that the Electoral College works against them because the state of Delaware has votes just like the state of California. And they believe, the Democrats believe, well, that the flyover area between the West Coast and the East Coast really doesn't count. So we want to to have a presidential election based on popular vote only. And I I think I mentioned this on, on your show in the last few weeks, Jim. If 100% of all of the illegals who crossed the border and went into California for all the free stuff, and they all voted illegally, and they all voted for the Democratic nominee for president, or the Democratic candidate for president, California still only has 56 electoral votes. So they can pack the popular vote, and if you take out the plurality that that Hillary got the two million votes and look at the vote count in California alone, her plurality of two million more votes than Donald Trump all came from California. So IQ is correct. The founders, when they decided that there were small states and big states, that there's got to be a, a fair way to represent, the only way that this could happen is through a constitutional amendment. Constitutional amendment takes two-thirds of the votes to ratify within seven years. That's the law. That's the Constitution. 
I can't imagine that two-thirds of the states are going to say, that's okay, we'll let them go. We'll eliminate the, uh, uh, any control we might have had in, in equity and fairness. We'll just give that to the big states. I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening at all. The, the big issue, the big issue, which is not talked much about, is under this um, issue of the Electoral College, is how many votes, meaning Electoral College votes, there are 435 electors in the, in, in the Congress, in the um, presidential election. And so the number of people in a congressional district is a function of taking 435 and dividing it into the population and that tells you how many people right now about 717,000 are in a congressional district and so when they the the state legislatures have to do the redistricting they've got to come up with uh, the number of 700, 800, whatever it's going to be. With this influx of illegals coming into the country, the process for determining how many electoral college votes a state has is a function of their population. There is a lawsuit in the currently in the courts that is a suit against the Secretary of Commerce, who's responsible for the Census Bureau, and he wants to put in a question, what is your nationality? Where are you from? Are you a citizen of the United States? And if the, if the, if the courts rule that you can't ask the question, then Harvard has estimated there may be somewhere between 28 and 32 million illegals in the United States. Wow. One out of 10. Wow. And so they all of a sudden, if you have 32 million illegals and they're counted in the census, then the shift of the number of electoral votes move out of the small states into the big states, which ultimately gives them what they want anyway. So this very important decision on whether or not the idea that we have places around the country where illegals can vote without being citizens or illegally in the country voting in elections uh, is is absurd uh, because it's diluting our rights and privileges under the Constitution to allow somebody to come in here illegally and vote in a presidential or a regular election. So, again, this is the Democrats' trying to build up their base to try and, 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 and maintain control or get control. Um, the Democrats uh, lost a battle today in the Supreme Court. I don't know whether you heard about that, Jim, where the Trump administration wanted the right to be able to arrest and deport uh, illegals, even if they were discovered many years later. And uh, the lower court said no, but the Supreme Court voted today five to four. Um, that they wanted that they can do that um, the other issue is that the Democrats are pushing 
uh, quote, packing the court. They want to add nine more justices. But again, Jim, this just shows the stupidity of the Democratic Party. It's desperation, not only stupidity. It's what? Desperation, desperate. Oh, sure, sure. But, 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 but what happens here is the Constitution does not determine the number of judges that are in the court. But they, the Democrats, the, the, now this is what the Democrats were saying last night. They want to, they want to name, they want nine new judges to be named to the court. Okay. Okay. Right now, who names the judges? Donald Trump. Of course. They haven't even thought about the fact that if they want to get nine new judges, in addition to what they already have, Donald Trump is the one who's going to appoint them. And you want you want 18 judges and you want a 15 to 3 majority on the, on the court? It's stupid. No, they're thinking they will win and they will have the nine Right. Exactly. They're th- that's the you're right. That's the issue. They they think they're going to win. Absolutely. And they they they're not going to win. It's it's not going to happen. So, <laughs> uh, I but but the, what they're trying to do though, what this is all out, Jim, is all all these things that we've just talked about are all assaults on the Constitution that the Democrats no longer like the country the way the founders and way it's operated for over 250 years they no longer think it's relevant and it needs to be changed and we have a process it's called amending the constitution and um, we have the ability under the constitution to do things but it has to be super majorities to have it happen Democrats are showing just how elite they think they are. But you know what the tragedy is? We were discussing the millennials. They are clueless. They're falling all over themselves, believing AOC, they're believing Ilhan, they're believing all this bullcrap coming from the Democrats. Nothing in this world has been free. From beginning of time, nothing is free. But you try to explain it to these millennials who don't have two branches of logic. I find it dangerous, honestly. I am not very confident, as confident as you are, that enough Americans will wake up. They should have woken up by now, for God's sake, two years. You heard about the millennials. They're not waking up. They're they're concerned about their cell phone battery. Your job is fine and sane. But I believe it. It's true. It's absolutely true. And nothing about climate change, nothing about Islam, all about themselves. Nothing. Right. Nothing nothing about nothing about it. Um so um I'm worried. <laughs> okay. You're worried. Uh I understand. And you, you have every right to be worried. Um but I, I, I think that um, <clears throat> we're going to see election night 2020, the pundits sitting there saying, wow, how did we miss it again? How did we miss it again? <laughs> I would love to have a repeat performance. I would love to have a repeat performance, believe me. So I, I, th- I think that, uh, that, that there are a lot of things going on 
that have a lot of people concerned. But when it comes time for the American people to focus on whether they want free everything, yes, they're going to say, I don't think so. I don't think so. And um, that's not going to be a winning strategy. And so the move, the radical move and dramatically radical move of the left, further left, to Hawaii off the east off the west coast um, uh, is is not going to create, in my opinion, a momentum uh, that uh, that the country is ready to go to, and I I hope and pray that the country will never go to that far left that we will become a socialist nation. I I, just, I don't think it's going to happen. All I want. Is 70% of the 70% of clueless Jews to vote for Trump. Okay. I'll see what I can do for you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you see what we can do for you. Now, um, now IQ, uh, before we let you go, how do we find you online, my friend? Just Google my name, Al Rasuli, A L R A S O L I. By the way, we never had a chance to talk about New Zealand and the massacre. Yes, we will. Uh, we, we will. We will do that at the uh, at the top next week. Um, Dan, what, what what do you have for us as far as uh, updates on the nonprofit and everything else that's going? Well, I have I have um, exciting news on the nonprofit. I just finished today um, <clears throat> negotiating with the the golf course here on Sanibel. And uh, we're going to have uh, on the Sunday of the PGA tournament, wow. a a songs and stories memorial tournament dedicated to nice. all of the fallen soldiers in our country, and it'll be a fundraiser for songs and stories for soldiers. So we're really excited about this, and we hope to make it an annual event. That's that is fantastic. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that, my friend. Thank you. I'm sure that you put a uh, a lot of time and effort into that because uh, yes. that that sounds like it was a uh, huge huge undertaking, my friend. Yeah, yeah. So, w- what time are we going to have Victor next week? Uh, yeah. We will have him at the uh, at the top of the hour. He'll be on okay. uh, four Central, five Eastern, as usual, and uh, we'll do a, a fast and furious, quick and quick and dirty with him because uh, he's got a lot of things he's doing that day. So we I know, I'm sure. I, I finish his book and it's just it's just wonderful it's a great read well that's good well i'm looking forward to it and we will talk to you next week iq and uh thank you guys appreciate it thank you bye definitely there they go iq our rizzoli dan perkins and uh that is that we will see you next time
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.